Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. That's the biggest thing is the the competitiveness uh, that this organization possesses. Uh, Everyone throughout the whole building uh, is competing, is giving giving it their best. And uh, and I was challenged by that, and I admire that, and and that's what I, you know, I I, I just kind of just sunk into that, you know, that that's that's what I'm about competing, and uh, and and this organization is just. It displays that day in and day out. Well, there's Saints quarterback Jameis Winston. Always fun to hear from Jameis. That was a couple weeks ago, John. Just wanted to play that to get us into a conversation about the quarterbacks because uh, there's all kind of rumors out there. uh, We know that we got Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill under contract for this season. What we don't have is a quarterback signed beyond 2021. So everything is open to interpretation. And there's been a recent report, uh, I, I believe from ESPN, Jeremy Fowler, that the Saints quote-unquote, like Florida's Kyle Trask. Now, in the age of social media, John, liking something can mean all kinds of different way- things, right? The Saints liking Florida's Kyle Trask has set off kind of a kind of a panic amid Saints fans. And I got to say, I was a little panicked too. I'm like, what do you mean they like Kyle Trask? When are they going to draft this kid? So uh, I guess my question to you to kick it off today, John, is how much does that scare you? Does it scare you at all? And does this launch us into a, a conversation of what the Saints should not do in the draft when we're talking about Kyle Trask? What do you think about that? Yeah, so it really reminded me of all the reporting last year about how much the Saints loved uh, Jake Fromm, the, the Georgia quarterback, <laughs> oh my God. who ended up being like like a sixth-round pick. I don't think he ever yeah. uh, got on the field or dressed for a game. Uh, you know, I said this on Twitter at the time um, from a crawfish boil, uh, you know, and that was all the attention I paid to it. Uh, draft season is lying season, and this is when rumors are flying all over the place. Uh, teams are individuals on teams are chatting with individuals on media outlets and it's just really tough to parse through it all and find the facts of the fiction. Now I was able to track down the Jeremy Fowler clip where he did, where he did say that, you know, the, the Saints, they liked what they saw at Kyle Trax, uh pro day. Um, and he's somebody who's on their radar, but you know, he, he characterized it as Trask is someone who the Saints might look at, you know, on the second day of the draft, potentially with one of their uh, late, one of their picks late in the third round, you know, they think at 98 and 105. I think that makes sense for Trask. You know, looking at his uh, college career, what, he, what he's done at Florida, um, he, he's got a big arm. Uh, he, he's scored a lot of touchdowns, but he don't, he has kind of folded in the face of really tough competition. I, I mean, you look at the season finale, season finale for him last year against Oklahoma, uh, 158 yards, three interceptions, zero touchdowns, only completed 16 to 28 passes. Um, he's not a starting quarterback right now. He's not the next Drew Brees or anything like that. Not at this stage in his career. So um, certainly he's a prospect to, to watch. He, uh, certainly he, he should be on New Orleans radar considering they don't, like as you pointed out, they don't have anybody on the contract after this season. So I fully expect him to add another quarterback, but nothing else to make Trevor Simeon fight for that QB3 job in training camp. Yeah, I like what you said there as far as where he goes. Like, if he goes third round, I think I'd be okay with that. But if he if he goes on day three, if you can get him on day three, I think that's brilliant. Uh, you know, that would make a ton of sense. But I, I just don't think he's going to slide that far, right, John? Everyone's just so horny over these quarterbacks that somebody's going to reach for, for uh, Trask. And it, it makes you feel like 
it's kind of what you were alluding to. Was this just a smoke screen by Sean Payton to get the Bears? Like, couldn't you see the Bears reaching for Kyle Trask, like picking him in the first round or something? Something crazy, something out of the ordinary. I could see the Bears doing that. Or like the Washington football team reaching for him or, you know, when they pick ahead of the Saints. Like, that's just that's just kind of what I'm feeling. Like, I feel like it's more of a smoke screen than anything. I mean, I'm reading from the draft wire. Basically says, like, after Mac Jones, who I think a lot of people are hot and cold on him, the draft wire says there's a sizable drop-off to the next best quarterbacks in this year's class. I think Trask is right there with Kellen Mond of Texas A&M as that next best thing. But we're talking about a considerable drop-off here. We're not talking about a guy that's going to be anywhere as close to playing NFL football in his first couple of years. And he's a guy that, if we're, we're being honest, benefited from having some ridiculous athletes, guys that could go in the first round like Kadarius Tony, the wide receiver in Florida, and Kyle Pitts, obviously, who's going to go, who knows, he could go top four in this draft. I think <laughs> Trask definitely benefited from having guys like that. Kyle Pitts, you could throw the ball anywhere within 10 feet of him. I could probably complete some passes to uh, Kyle Pitts, John, and I could throw a football about five <laughs> yards. I have a noodle arm. Like Chad Pennington, he would be calling me a sissy the way I throw the football. Uh, I can't throw it, but I could complete balls to Kyle Pitts. You know what I'm saying? Like I could just chuck it up there and he'd, he'd find a way to come down with it. And Kadarius Tony, no one could tackle him when he had the ball in his hands. So th- these are things that I think benefited Kyle Trask. So yeah, don't freak out about this one. This thing is like a smoke screen. Yeah, I think there's some smoke and mirrors at work here. And, you know, there's, there's very little consensus around the NFL right now on exactly how all of these prospects are ordered. Draft boards are not set across the league right now. Um, there's a lot of variance in opinions about the quarterbacks. So I, I wouldn't read I wouldn't read too deeply into you know reporting in early April about which about which uh, specific quarterback the Saints like at which spot. Um, but it, you know it's just it's just something else to keep in the back of our minds, and it's another data point to keep in mind as we you know continue to inch closer to the draft uh, day, day by day here. So. Just looking at some of the prospects linked to the Saints, I, I, I do think that they would be comfortable taking someone on the second day, whether it's a Kyle Trask or a, a Jamie Newman, who they met out of Wake Forest, who they met with at the uh, Senior Bowl. Hmm. They, they'll have options. That, they, they can totally round up the depth chart. You, you just really have to be aware of, you know, th- th- there's this thing of depreciating returns on, on all draft picks, but quarterbacks especially after the first round, where if you're picking, if you'd be in the third round, you know, you, you've caught lightning in a bottle if it's someone like a Russell Wilson or a, a Dak Prescott who was a fourth rounder. Most of those third round QBs are not someone who can play. Like it, it's a Garrett Grayson, it's a, uh, a Will Greer, it, it's guys who, you know, they're fringe NFL talents, but because the position is so important, um, you know, they, they may get overrated a bit, they get overdrafted a bit, and they they could go sooner than expected, but we, we just have to keep in mind uh, what sort of expectations we're putting on these guys when when they're coming up to the league, you know, maybe before they're really ready to compete. Well, speaking of the quarterback position, this literally happened. We're recording on Monday. This literally happened today. So we're kind of reacting in real time to uh, the Jets trading Sam Darnold to Carolina. Basically, what that means is it's a team in the top 10, John, that's not going to be picking a quarterback. I don't know if that matters for the Saints. I don't know if they're they're kind of so far back that it, I don't know if it makes sense for them to try to move up and get into the quarterback fray thing. But we were talking off the air about Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe there's a chance for a reunion down the road, right? What do you think about the prospects of that in, in this trade between Carolina and the Jets? Yeah, I think it's a good move for the Jets. Um, it, it's QB. They knew they weren't going to, to play this year. Uh, and they get several picks for him, which is a lot better than you could hope for most draft busts. Um 
And, you know, they, they got a two and a four next season. They got a six this year. So that, that, that's a pretty solid return. Uh, for the Panthers, I just don't know that there's anything there. I don't know that Darnold can play. Um, he hasn't shown anything in the NFL thus far. Uh, to be fair, he's been saddled with Adam Gase, who, you know, we all know is one of the worst uh, play callers and playbook designers in, in the NFL. Yes. Um, so, and all of, all of his former players seem to do well once they get away from him. So maybe maybe this is a good start for Darnold. Uh, I think Joe Brady can totally max out his capabilities. Um, we just don't. I just don't have any confidence that it's a very high ceiling to, to that he can max out. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out for him. Uh, we, we will see because he's going to play the same twice this year for Carolina, um, and he and he is reunited with Robbie Anderson, his former receiver with the Jets, who he, he gave the Saints some trouble in their matchups last season. Um, I believe he had a really strong series in the Superdome, uh, on one drive against um, T.J. Gardner-Johnson in the slot, where he, he was a pretty dangerous weapon. I think that's something that uh, Joe Brady is going to look to exploit, and I think that he and Darnold are going to get, get on track fairly quickly. All right, well, coming up next, here's a potential target the Saints could go after, you know, a, t- a player that they're linked to, but I want to get John take not on the player, but also on the position. Is this a position that you want to be targeting in the first round? We'll get to that coming up next. All right, John, circling back to the draft on the defensive side. We know a potential target for them is this linebacker from Tulsa, Zayvon Collins. He's a guy that I think has been going up draft boards. We've heard a lot about Micah Parsons, but it seems like Collins is kind of picking up steam. I wanted to get your take on not only the player, but on the position, right? It seems like inside linebacker. You know, at least guys that don't play on the edge, that don't rush the passer on the outside. It seems like these inside linebacker guys, this position's kind of treated like running back, right? You're better off waiting to the end of round one or early in round two to kind of start picking those guys. But Zayvon Collins, if he slides to the Saints, there's some there's some buzz around that player. So maybe we would like to pick. But what do you think of Collins and what do you think about drafting a linebacker in the first round? Yeah, I think it makes sense. I don't know that it's the Saints' top need. Uh, I mean, they really need, they really need a second cornerback. Um, but linebacker is a very, very high, very hot priority for them, and I could, I could totally see that happening. Um, they haven't really shied away from drafting linebackers early. Uh, they, they traded; they were trying to trade up to 33, uh, the, the, the first pick of the second round last year to go get Zach Ball. Zach Vaughn. Now they had a crap plan for him once they got him in the building, and he never got on the field. But he's, but he's the prospect that they really liked. Uh, a couple of years ago, they drafted uh, Stephon Anthony in the first round, and that pick didn't work out either. So the Saints, they're not shy about going after a linebacker if they like what they see. Uh, the question is just what happens after that guy gets in the building. So, you know, I could, I could see someone like David Collins uh, appealing to them. Um, he, he's a great cover, coverage player. Uh, he's got tremendous size. He's a lot like Anthony Barr um, in that he can rush the passer well. He's got great athleticism for the position. Um, he, he would be a really nice pairing with, with Mario Davis in, in the middle of the Saints defense. So I, I could see it happening if, he, if he's available. Um, but after he had such a strong pro day, I just don't know that he'll be there at 28. Yeah, he's 6'5". So it's like he looks like a defensive end, right? Like he reminds you of like a Chandler Jones type. Uh, yeah. But he's not known to be a burner, right? So he's not the quickest guy in the world. But from everything I've read, like athleticism, not an issue. He's 6'5". He's got plenty of size, plenty of speed. He would add a lot of uh, play speed to the same defense. And that's really been their issue lately is – they don't have great athletes in the middle. Uh, Quan Alexander um, was a revelation last year, and even then, he was a you know he he wasn't an elite athlete at linebacker. He was somebody who's just you know above average. And you know, we, we saw what what difference that made. 
you look at the plays where it's a, a busted coverage underneath or a, a QB scrambling out of the pocket, uh, these, these big chunk plays that the Saints defense has allowed in recent years, and those happen because they have guys like Alex Anzalone, who is not very fast, or Manti Teo, who is not very fast. Um, and they, they just cannot adjust on the fly. Everything has to be perfect for them. They have to make the right read. They have to uh, drop to the right depth, and they've got to take the, the perfect angle to make, make a play. Um, they, the Saints have just really lacked those horses in the middle of the defense outside of uh, Davis. And so I would love to see them add somebody to the mix who can really complement him and, you know, kind of uh, study up to be the, the next linebacker after Davis is hung up his cleats someday. I like it. If they want to go linebacker, I think there'll be some names at 28. Like like I said, I just feel like linebacker is going to slip. And it's just something. And it was interesting. The Saints haven't drafted a linebacker technically in the first round since 2015. There's a little tidbit for you, John. Sometimes I throw some tidbits at you. Um, sp- sp- speaking of the defense, the Saints have a decision coming up now. They have to decide whether they, they want to pick up uh, Marcus Davenport's fifth-year option. They have until May 3rd, so it's going to be right after the draft. Uh, basically, they have to decide whether they whether they want to pay him $9.5 million in 2022. This will be an interesting storyline over the next uh, couple weeks, John. I mean, obviously, they've parted ways with Malcolm Brown, Sheldon Rankins, Trey Hendrickson left in free agency. So the Saints might be banking on Davenport to, uh, I guess, have a breakout year similar to Hendrickson, right? They they kind of need this player. How do you think that thing shakes out? Yeah, I, I would not anticipate the Saints picking up that, that option for Davenport. Uh, he, he has not played up to expectations. He has not played like a player who is valued at, you know, not nine and a half million guarantees. Um, that, that's just not who he, who he is at this point. He's somebody I would really anticipate playing out this final year of his rookie deal. And let's see what happens after that. Like, kind of similar to what they did with Marcus Williams. But Williams, well, the other Marcus, uh, Williams has been a much better pro than Davenport. He's certainly been available more often. He's avoided the injury bug. Um, and when he has played, he's created a lot of positive plays and and saved a lot of negative plays for the, for the defense. And Davenport, you know, too often has just not shown up. Um, he hasn't been an impact player in games. He, it's just so frustrating, especially when you, can, when you consider what the Saints gave up to go get him, uh, you know, putting two firsts on, on him to move up in the 2018 draft. And it just hasn't, hasn't panned out. And I, I really think this is probably the end of the road for him, similar to it was for Sheldon Rakin, who was another guy who, you know, struggled with injuries and wasn't able to stay on the field and was kind of inconsistent whenever he was um, suiting up on game day. What do you think the chances are, John, that Davenport has that breakout season that we've been waiting for? Do you think it's coming? I think it's very possible. I mean, he's got all the athleticism in the world. He's got all the physical tools that you need to succeed in the NFL. He's a very smart uh, individual. He's a very intelligent football player. He's got great vision to track the runner in the backfield. Um, Just too often, he he just gets quiet, and he'll – he, he doesn't have any counter moves whenever he's rushing the passer. Um, he, he just doesn't really he, – he hasn't made the most of his opportunities so far. And I think he will have a chance to, you know, kind of run it back this year and, you know, pr- prove me wrong with that breakout. Uh, he'll have plenty of – there will be plenty of snaps to go around with all of the losses the Saints have taken up front. Um, at defensive end, especially with Trey Hendrickson leading, that that's a, that's a solid 400 pass rush snaps uh, out the window. So he'll have ample opportunities to, to prove himself. And if he can't do it, then there are guys working hard behind him, and you know Carl Granderson and uh, Donald Passignon, who are looking for 
that starting gig. Uh, that right now, Davenport is the only thing standing between them. There's John Sigler of the Saints Wire. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you all next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.